practical Christian living, uh, trying to sort of uh, pick out things which will help us on a day-to-day basis as we uh, live our lives uh, on this earth. Uh, one thing I've realised over the years is that things that uh, affect me very often affect everybody else, other Christians. We often keep it to ourselves, but um, I realise more and more as you talk to fellow believers that they have the same issues. We all kind of experience the same problems, delights, challenges, whatever they may be. And it's just trying to help us in our Christian walk to look at these things together. Tonight I just wanted to think about the topic about how should we speak. I don't mean how should we speak in platform, just how should we speak? What words should we use when we're talking to one another? Um, words are important. The question for you, how many words on average do we speak in a day? <laughs> Difficult one. I said, I was surprised. I looked it up. It's, it's between 6,000 and 16,000. That sounds an awful lot. It's the average of 11,000. Interesting, women are not reckoned to speak any more than men. <laughs> I thought you were going to yes. You are surprised, aren't you? Yes, I <laughs> But on average, it's 11,000. That's a, about a fifth of our waking day is spent speaking. So it's important to us because we speak a lot. It's also important to God. God is a God who speaks. He differentiates from you know, other idols that religions have. They're either dead or they're just a stone idol. They cannot speak, but God speaks. When the world was created in Genesis, it said each day, it says, and the Lord spoke, and the world came into being. Each day he spoke. And the Lord Jesus himself is described as the, as the word of God. We're told that the word of God sustains all things. So the word of God, God's spoken word, is vitally important. And the Bible throughout talks a lot about speech and Proverbs. There are over 90 Proverbs which talk about speech. It's the most talked about thing other than wisdom in the book of Proverbs. So it is important. There's a phrase which we're often used, has been used, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And that's rubbish. Absolute rubbish. <laughs> A broken bone will heal, eventually. Very often words are used. And you've been in a conversation, and you've walked away and gone home, and that, the words that have been spoken have affected you. Maybe hurt you, maybe encouraged you, but they stayed with you. Sometimes you spoke to someone else, and afterwards you thought, I wish I hadn't said that. Yeah, you wish you could take those words back. You regret things you said. Probably my most common phrase I use is, I'm only joking. <laughs> I regret that. <laughs> yeah. I do. I look at someone's face, I say something, and I'm joking. I look at their face and they don't understand I'm joking. <laughs> so I have to say, I'm only joking. <laughs> but I so, so often I do that. I'm going to have to look. I'm really sorry <coughs> to hear what God's saying to me tonight about how we should speak. God wants us to understand that words are powerful. They can create a loving and caring situation, or they can create a disastrous situation. I want to read from James chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, a well known passage which talks about the tongue. 
read the first 16 verses. Sorry, the first 12 verses. So it's James chapter 3 and verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take the ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, whatever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes a great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures have been tamed, and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is an restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. In these 16 verses, James sets out six pictures of the tongue, or speech if you like, and I want to put them into three groups of two and look at them. The first two are mentioned in verses 3 and 4, and this really thinks about the power that words have to influence situations or people. And he talks here about the bit that goes into the mouth of a horse to make them turn, to control how they move. The rider uses that bit to manoeuvre where the horse goes. He also talks about the rudder, a very small part of a ship, which the pilot or the captain uses to steer a course for that ship. Small items that have great influence in those two situations influence over the direction of the horse, the behaviour of the horse, and the direction of the ship. And often they're faced with, as it says about the ship, strong weather, strong winds. They're faced with difficult situations that they have to come up with. But those small items, the bit and the rudder, are able to steer them through that rough time. And that's a wonderful picture a small part of our body, the tongue, which can have tremendous influence on situations and on people. So when we talk, the words that we use, although there's a small part of the body, it can have a massive impact on other people. Mm. When we have conversations with people, or maybe idle conversations, we <coughs> can actually have a huge effect on the person we're talking to without us necessarily realising that. And I'd like to encourage us when we have those conversations 
that that is a wonderful way of helping one another. And to remember that when we're speaking, we may well be influencing that person. We don't know what other people are thinking when we talk to them. We don't know what's going on in their life. Very few people share the intimate details of their lives. But I would encourage us that, to think that when we speak, we speak wisely. We speak words which will be an encouragement to them. When we talk to a neighbour over the garden fence, when we talk to a work colleague, when we talk to speak to a member of our family, when we speak to people who don't know the Lord, encourage ourselves to be aware that those words can be very powerful, very influential in those people's lives. We need that encouragement because often we can just allow these conversations to become very idle. Um, but they're not. We think of examples in the Bible of how people spoke and the impact those words had. I mean, the Lord Jesus himself, when he met the woman at the well, he was able to share with her. He knew all about her. He was able to share everlasting life with her. Mm -hmm. And she then went and she continued to speak. She spoke to the people in the village. She shared what she'd heard with someone else. They believed, they wanted to hear more of it. They wanted to come and meet Jesus. That was a great impact that those conversations had. Peter, in a different situation altogether, remember after the Holy Spirit came, he spoke and 3,000 people were saved through his speaking the word. Paul in jail, talking to the jailer in a very strange situation, was able to influence that jailer and influence his life that he became saved and baptised. Philip, who met the Ethiopian in a one-to-one -one situation, was able to share the scriptures with that man. That man believed and became baptised. There's a theme here, no baptism. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't meant to be the theme, but it's so important, isn't it, when we're talking? And I would encourage us, when we talk in one-to-one -one situations, and it happens every day, we just say how many words we share each day, that those words can be a tremendous help and encouragement to those that we're speaking to. Don't underestimate the impact those words are having. Because often we think our conversations are, are perhaps wasted, but they're not. Mm. It can be very helpful. But then it talks about two other examples. It talks about the spark that leads to a fire. And it talks about the wild animals. These are verses 5 to 8. How the tiny spark can cause a forest fire. And this would come under the heading of we've had a power to influence people for good, but also this power to destroy people. And that's a very sober lesson. We need to learn when we talk about how we speak. That tiny spark, we've seen on the TV, haven't we? How these forest fires. Mm -hmm. How they're just set off by a spark, maybe a barbecue fire, and it then goes through the whole forest and destroys miles of <coughs> that spark, very small spark, can destroy large pieces of land. In 1666, the Great Fire of London started in a bakery in Pudding Lane, and nearly all of Northern London at that time was destroyed by that fire. A very small fire starting ending up destroying most of London. So when he's talking about fire and sparks, what does that mean to us? What is a spark? 
What does this spark mean for us? Well, I, mean, I believe it means a word of gossip, a word of uh, spoken behind someone's back, a word of discouragement, of criticism. It might be a lie. These are words that we use, these are ways we speak, which can be a spark, which leads to a fire. Mm -hmm. A fire can destroy families, these conversations can destroy churches, mm -hmm. destroy friendships. And how important it is that when we speak, we're not speaking in terms of a spark, which can cause a problem. When it um, talks about the, the speaking like that, it's speaking to us about how we engage with other people, how we speak, but also there's a reaction to that spoken word. So someone comes up to us, and let's let's be honest, sometimes it's quite nice to gossip. Yeah? We quite enjoy it. Because we found someone to talk to about someone else. <laughs> and that can be enjoyable at times. But the Bible tells us in Proverbs that you don't add wood to a fire if you want it to go out. So when someone gossips to us, we have a responsibility to quench that fire. We have a responsibility to stop the gossip at that point. However easy it might be to just go along with it, because it's nice. Our challenge is, if you take away the wood and straw and whatever it is from the, stone, from the fire, it goes out. But if we encourage one another in gossip, in lying, in talking about people, then that will boost that fire and it will go further and further. So we have a, a challenge, not just to not start these, these rumours, but not to be a part of it when they do start. I'm not saying these things are happening, but I think the Bible teaches us that we have to be aware of these things, that in case they do happen, that we should be careful. It's very strong the way James talks. He talks about that it set itself on fire by hell. And that word hell is only used twice. It means Gehenna. It's an area, it's a place outside Jerusalem, which is a valley where sacrifices were made to false gods, including sacrifices of children. There were sacrifices, it's a horrible place. It was known as Satan's place. It's where Satan dwelt. In Jesus' time, that had become the rubbish tip for the city of Jerusalem, where the pile of the rubbish shop. Mm -hmm. It stank. It was horrible. And James is saying that when we actually engage in these types of words, that's coming from Satan. That's the devil encouraging us to speak those words. That's how strong it is. It's coming from Satan's place. And James is saying we must not engage in that. He also talks about animals. There's all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures have been tamed and have been tamed, but no human being can tame the tongue. We see animals being tamed, don't we, in, in uh, things like the eagles and hawks, but they're trained to land <coughs> wrists. We see dolphins being able to be trained. We see snakes trained by these snake charmers. Many animals have been tamed from the wild. But James makes an interesting point that the tongue cannot be tamed. 
I want to come on to this again in a moment, that it can be tamed by us. Why else have we struggled all our lives to control what we say? Mm -hmm. If we could have tamed it, we would have tamed it long ago. Mm -hmm. I'll come back to that. And the third couple that we have, a group of two, is found in verses 9 to 12. And this talks about the power to bring joy, the power to encourage, the power to bring delight to people's lives. And he's looking at the fountain, and he's looking at the tree. In Proverbs, again, it talks about the word of the mouth being a fountain of life. Water brings refreshment. It's cool, it's quenching when it's hot, and you can have a drink of cold water. Water is used for cleaning, for washing. It's used to cook. It's used for many essential parts of life. Water is essential. In James, he talks about the ways that we can use our words to encourage and to help one another. It talks in chapter 5 about using our tongues to praise God. So it's about using our tongues to pray as we've been doing tonight. To pray for those who are broken, those who have backslidden, those who need healing. James encourages us to use our tongues for those positive things. To sing praises to God. It's not mentioned in James, I would add to this list to witness that our words can be used to witness to other people. And it's those refreshing words, like water, <coughs> that can help people that we talk to. We have tremendous encouragement to them. And James encourages us to do that. He also likens it to a tree. The trees are beautiful, they bring shade, they bear fruit. And again, the comparison is that you know, we can use our tongues as a tree to bring beauty to a situation, to bring help to a situation, to bear fruit for the Lord. It talks in Psalm 1, doesn't it, about the tree that's standing beside the river. The tree that stands by the river is strong because its roots go down and takes water from the river to enable it to grow well. So when difficult times come, that tree isn't knocked over. It stands firm. In our lives, if we want to be witnesses for the Lord, if we want to speak well of the Lord, we need to be like a tree that's rooted in His Word, that we might be an encouragement to others. There's a warning, however, when it comes to these examples of the water and the tree. It was a very clear warning because of hypocrites. How is it you can come into a church? on Sunday morning and sing a song of praise to God mm. and then go home and talk about the brother or sister. Mm. It's very realistic, isn't it? We've done it. Mm. It makes the lunch quite enjoyable. <laughs> we can do it. But God, but Jesus said, how can you? How can you bring praises to God and then talk about someone mm. in a bad way? You can't have salt and fresh water coming out of the same fountain. You can't have a tree that bears olives and figs. These things just cannot happen. And in the same way, naturally speaking, we cannot speak with a double mind. We cannot do that. It's not what we're meant to do. We're meant to praise God. We're meant to pray. We're meant to sing. We're meant to witness. 
said earlier that we cannot tame the tongue. But James concludes at the end in the, in the verses we didn't read, verses 13 to 18, he talks about wisdom. He talks about a good life. Having a good life. Now a good life we probably interpret in society's ways as being a, a glamorous life. A good life as in we have plenty of possessions, we're well paid, we're enjoying life, we're doing lots of different things. It's glad it's attractive to the from the outside. But that's not what James is talking. Many throughout the book of James we find that he talks about it's not the external, it's what's coming from within. And he's saying that the good life that he's talking about here is a life which is beautiful in the eyes of God. It's a life which is full of wisdom. And that wisdom is not wisdom that comes from earth, as he talks about here, but it's a heavenly wisdom. And then we have that wisdom, we have that wisdom from God. It allows us to speak in a way that God would want us to speak. He finishes off by just saying that the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. There's no lies there. There's nothing wrong with it. What we speak is pure. Then peace loving. We're not going to say something which is going to cause problems. Our aim is to keep peace with our brothers and sisters. Consider it. Yeah, it's a wonderful word, isn't it? We consider of one another. Not thinking we can browbeat people, but we understand their situation just as much as we understand ours. <coughs> We're considerate towards them. Submissive, as in understanding that people might have a better idea than we have, might have a better view of life than we have. Full of mercy and good fruit. Showing forgiveness, not being judgmental. Impartial, James talks a lot about it, doesn't he? That we shouldn't be favouring the rich person against the poor person. But being impartial uh, when we are talking to people, not seeing the colour of their skin or their accent or the way they dress, but seeing them as a soul. We're just praying for those men outside. Seeing them as God's creatures, made by God, and that God desperately wants them to hear about the Lord Jesus. And finally it says, sincere. Sincere in what we're saying. This is where I have my head in shame and say that I use you with joking all the time. I don't mean it the way it's written across. We need to speak with sincerity from the heart. And I mean James is saying to us, words are important. They're important for us, but they're important for those that we speak to. They can be life-changing. They can be encouraging, but they can also bring disaster on people if we get it wrong. So my prayer tonight is that we all might hear what he's saying to us about how we speak and how we encourage one another and how we witness for his name's sake. Amen. Amen. We sing a hymn together, which is, he just picks up on this, it's number 587. The verse I'm thinking of is verse 3. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my king take my lips and let them be filled with messages from the book we were saying verses 1, 3 and 6 1, 3 6 number 5, 8, 7 take my life 